Hey everyone, welcome in to another daily editorial here on the KE Report. Corey and Chad here chatting with Dave Erfley, founder and editor of the Junior Minor Junkie. Now Dave, it's earnings season for a lot of companies, but since we always focus on the precious metals, let's uh, at least touch on some of the majors that we have seen some earnings out of. This week we also have Newmont reporting. But so far, look, we have seen gold companies especially take advantage of the higher gold price. They have recorded a number of them record revenue numbers. Uh, the production numbers have been usually within guidance, except for Barrick, that everyone knew was going to be a little bit below guidance. These companies continue to build cash, but look at their share prices. They're not getting any sort of love especially in a long-term basis, but even in the short-term rebounds, they seem to very much just be following the broad sector here. Dave, what's your takeaway from majors continuing to build up cash, but just not getting any love for some of their improved earnings? Yeah, Corey, it appears to me that investors are still just focusing on the cost continuing to rise while the gold price still... The market is trying to price in a floor at 2000 but it's just not convinced because they think the Fed is going to continue to keep keep higher rates for longer. The dollar is going to keep going higher and gold's going to eventually go below 2000 That's the way the gold stocks and the way silver up until recently had been acting. You know, silver starting to show some relative strength, but the gold stocks continue to, to, to be sold off. Yeah, I mean, you know, a couple of these companies you know, like Nico Eagle, uh, Kinross, they reported favorable earnings. And especially Kinross, they reported a 45% increase at the, at the Dixie deposit that they took over when they, when they bought out Great Bear. So they continue to pay decent dividends. I mean, you know, as I say decent dividends, because like I, I said earlier, you know, I got into this sector 20 years ago. It was unheard of for miners to pay dividends. And now some of them are paying some decent dividends. You know, the big one everyone's waiting for is for Newmont earnings release. And that comes out on Thursday. And they have 3.2 billion in cash now after the after the after the merger was completed with with Newcrest. So it's going to be interesting to see if they're because their cash costs, you know, there's they're around fourteen hundred dollars an ounce, which is the average. And you got an Nico Eagle, which, who's got all in sustaining cash costs are below twelve hundred. They're like the gold standard of gold miners. So it's going to be interesting to see how the market reacts to Newmont's first quarter after the merger. So it was, I think the merger happened during that quarter. So it's not going to be a full quarter with merger results. But, you know, the gold prices was averaged around $2,000 an ounce in Q4. So a lot of these miners are, are, are making good money. They're paying solid dividends. Their financial, their balance sheets continue to get healthier. So, yeah, but it's just uh, the investors continue to concentrate, concentrate on those cash costs that are going up. You know, Agnico, Agnico, Eagle, Eagle's cash costs went up, even though they're still low. They're a lot lower than the industry standard. They went up. So that's what they're concentrating on. Well, Dave, unfortunately for the majors, and we could filter this down even into some of the mid-tiers, they're getting punished along with the rest of the sector. And to Corey's point, even if they put out good news, they're kind of just trading as a big group right now. But that's also given them a weak equity position to the point where they can't use their shares to take over other companies, even if they're looking at these projects, even if they think there's some good opportunities out there with some single asset producers or some great development projects, they don't have the shares to do it. They, they are generating cash, 
How do you think this sets up the M&A in the sector as we move forward and maybe contrast it with what we saw a, a decade ago at the top mania? It's just a different kind of environment now for the big producers with M&A. Oh, it's a completely different environment, Shad. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, at the, at the top of the last bull market at 2010, 2011, you know, they had these overvalued share prices and they needed to replace ounces. So they decided to use their overvalued shares to buy uneconomic ounces. And that blew up in their face. They used dilution to buy substandard projects. And it really blew up, like I said, blew up in their face. So it created this huge bear market. I mean, at the top of that bull market, ounces in the ground were being bought for up to $1,200 an ounce in the ground. And now they're being bought for considerably less than 200 ounces in the ground, while a lot of them are trading at less than $40 an ounce in the ground, while the company's balance sheets have never been healthier as far as the majors are concerned. So they're just waiting. They're, they're too scared to pull the trigger because of what happened last time. So they're waiting to, for the market to price in that $2,000 floor. That has to be solid, I think, before they, they start to go out and do some serious M&A. But, but these Chinese companies, they're coming in with all cash offers. You know, it happened with Asino today. You know, I was a, I was a happy shareholder at Asino when Dundee made that offer. And, you know, I sold out of the stock at the end of the year thinking that was a done deal. And right at the last minute here before the deal was a done deal, I think it's that they're not saying which entity came in to make this all cash offer for Asino, but it's 32% higher than the Dundee offer, and it's all cash, which tells me it's likely a Chinese company. Yeah, it is encouraging to see some sort of a competitive bid being offered here. We'll see if anyone else comes in, but it does seem like this all cash offer, probably pretty attractive for Osino. Talking about the sector broadly and looking at the GDX chart, because I think last week and carrying into this week, is fairly important for the short-term investor here, where GDX has been down seven of the last eight weeks, but last week it was only down marginally, and we very well could have seen a bit of a reversal in trend halfway through the week as GDX went down and tested that past October low. Plus, look, the GDX was in oversold territory for a lot of the technical indicators that I follow. So now I think this week is more about a follow through on that potential turn in direction. Dave, what are you looking at when it comes to the GDX chart specifically? Yeah, it's really interesting what happened last week. You know, um, the GDX and GDXJ, they almost tested their October lows and then they hammered, showing a nice bullish hammer into the into the three day weekend. If you take a look at the HUI to gold ratio, which goes back farther because, you know, the GDX and GDXJ have only been around since, you know, 2006 and 2008, respectively, right, or something like that. So the HUI goes back a lot farther. And if you take a look at the HUI to gold ratio, it came down to nearly, nearly hit where it was at, at the late 2015, early 2016 low, which basically was the lowest point to where the gold stocks were the cheapest in relation to the gold price. And it hammered from 0.10 in mid midweek last week. And I think it, it got to 0.09 in 2000, in to, late 2015, early 2016. And it spiked down there at the, at the COVID low. So 
as far as the valuations are concerned, you know, they could, they could go lower. Absolutely. But I mean, if you also take a look at the GDX versus the GLD, it's two standard deviations from the mean, meaning it's the lowest price in relation to the, the gold price it's been since, since I've been in this sector. So, but, but at the same time, quality junior valuations in relation to the gold price have never been more attractive. They're even more attractive than they were in, in late 2015, early 2016, when the gold price was trying to, to get below a thousand and never did. And then when the market realized that it wasn't, that's when we had that mean reversion that, that happened really quickly. So it, it appears to me that, that the gold stocks are waiting for something to spark this mean reversion to start taking place. Well, Dave, does it give you any confidence that we've seen generalists like Stanley Druckenmiller go on the mainstream media and say that he's selling some of his tech stocks and he's buying things like Newmont and Barrick? Does it give you confidence that more generalists are waking up to some of the valuation mismatches on the P.E. ratios or how well some of these majors are doing in the GDX versus how, like, let's say the tech sector is doing? Does that give you any confidence that maybe some generalists are starting to see the light here? Yeah, it does. And I mentioned that to my subscribers, you know, last week that uh, Druckenmiller coming in and doing that was a sign that, hey, this is a this is a billionaire investor that sees this undervaluation in a sector where what they're mining is threatening to break out, yet their share prices have never been cheaper in relation to the price of gold. So he he saw that and he's like, I'm going to throw some money into this sector. It makes sense. But the key missing ingredient that is still missing is investment demand in gold. Because if you take a look at the gold price, you know it's remained right around $2,000, basically for the most part over the past year, yet gold stocks and silver have basically continued to go lower. And I think that's the reason for that is central banks continue to buy gold, but they don't buy gold stocks and they don't buy silver. So I think that's a big reason for that. And that key missing ingredient with investment demand needs a stock market rollover. It appears that the stock market is trying to roll over right now, you know, but the landscape is littered with bears that have tried to call the top. And got and gotten massacred. So you know, I'm not saying that it's topping now, but it appears to me that it is because the market's finally getting the fact that that the Fed is not going to lower rates anytime soon until they're forced to. So this higher for longer that the that that the U.S. economy I I believe can't stand for very much longer is going to continue until something breaks, and that's when the Fed will come in and pivot. So I think the market's starting to realize that, hey, maybe we better take some profits from this stock market that is overbought, historically overbought, overvalued, and is in a, it appears to be rolling over because you take a look at these magnificent seven stocks. Well, magnificent six now, Tesla's already rolled over. They're due to, that bubble is due to pop. You're starting to see some people talk about it and, you know, bubbles never pop when people expect them to. So, you know, it could go a little higher before it does, but I expect these AI bubbles to pop at some point this year. And the question being, where does that money rotate into? But Dave, I guess just in summary, look, it, it sounds like we're in this time again, and we've heard this before where people are saying it can't get any worse for these gold stocks. They're saying they're oversold. We're hearing that the disconnect between gold and the gold stocks has never been greater. It's at an extreme level. You even look at the COT reports and there's no open interest out there. And 
we're hearing all of these comments about just how it can't get any worse for these stocks. How do you take this information, understanding that, yes, a bounce is definitely due because of how much they have been sold down, but balance that out with, is this a long-term opportunity or a short-term trade? Yeah, I mean, I believe it's a long-term opportunity, for sure. You know, it's gone from a short-term opportunity to a longer-term op opportunity because of things I was talking about. I mean, gold stocks are not only the cheapest in relation to the gold price, but they're the cheapest in relation to the to general mining stocks as well. I mean, they've become basically a forgotten and hated asset class. And you could times that by two with silver stocks. Nobody wants them, you know, and, and everybody knows that, that that's the best time to invest in something is when nobody wants it. But it's really difficult because you, you're going to you're going to suffer some losses before the, the eventual turnaround. I mean, like I've said before, I've been in this sector for over 20 years. And you if you're accumulating on a suspected bottom, which is the way to make money in this sector, as opposed to chasing them. You have to be prepared for anywhere between 20 and 50% paper losses in these speculations that you're investing in before the mean reversion takes place and the sector turns around. So that's what I'm experiencing right now in a lot of my stocks. And, you know, I keep adding to some and holding on to others, but I expect that mean reversion to take place. I mean, will that mean reversion take place in a situation where the gold price craters? and the gold stocks don't go down as much? Or does it happen when the gold price finally starts to take off above 2100 and these gold stocks begin to mean revert rather quickly? I believe it's the latter and I'm, and I'm investing my own money and, and advising my subscribers that I'm, doing, that I'm doing this. And I expect this to happen. What that catalyst will be for the spark. There's so many out there that it could be. We've talked about it on the show and I've talked about it in my articles of what that what those catalysts might be. And also you could have a false move in the in the in the gold price first before it, it breaks out. That's what it loves to do. It happened at 1675 and it could happen again here at 2000. You know, we could have a we could have a false move down to 1900, 1950 area before the breakout. I mean it that could easily take place. But as far as the gold stocks are concerned, I firmly believe that the risk is on the upside and there's not much more risk on the downside. All right. Well, that'll be encouraging for all of our listeners out there invested in these stocks. I, I sure hope you're right, Dave, because look, there's not a whole lot of stocks in the precious metal space to be chasing on the upside. So now we're all just wondering where they bought them and when they start materially moving higher rather than just taking back some of the losses unfortunately, that a lot of people are probably looking at. But hey, Dave, we'll chat with you again in the next week or two. And who knows what we'll be talking about, but maybe it'll be some more upward momentum in the stocks, or maybe it'll be a false breakdown, the fun of markets. Thanks for your time today, Dave. We'll chat again soon. All right, guys. Talk to you next week.